Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. He's going for gold in this track. The Captain. If anyone knows me, I love 80s classic rubbish pop. Player. It's kind of interesting where he was at that point in any, any time. The word I've got here circled is sap. It's just sappy. And other special guests. Uh, <clears throat> uh, did someone say to shoot the duck? <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast brought to you by Player. I got the butter for your muffin. Toe Jam. How did I know you were going to say that, Player? <laughs> <laughs> You too. <laughs> You're just too One old to hold the knife. <laughs> Captain. One nation under your groove. And MC North Sea Jazz Extravaganza. <laughs> yeah. Slomo bringing you another episode. Are you trying? Are you trying to say something there? I am trying to say something, but uh, <laughs> I might. I'm, I think I've said enough already. You're trying um, to get all the European listeners to buy you beers while you're over there. Exactly. <laughs> I'll just I'll just open this show up. I wasn't planning on doing this, but players prompted me. If any listeners are going to be at Rotterdam North Sea Jazz Festival on either the 8th, 9th, or 10th of July this year, guess what? One of your own, one of the Peach and Black podcasters is going to be in attendance. You'll never believe this, guys, and I'll keep this very brief. But about a day ago, before the announcement of Prince playing the festival on all three nights was made, I had actually purchased tickets to that festival. And coincidentally, um, I'm doing a little holiday in Europe this year, a bit of a honeymoon. Um, It's the last three nights of my trip. Would you believe the last three nights of my trip, I had already booked to go see the three nights at the North Sea Jazz Festival and then it's announced that Prince is playing. Well, I couldn't be any more excited. I can't yeah, believe it. I'm um, pinching myself. Really, yeah, it's like just really good for you, MC. Okay, let's move on to this song. <laughs> you lucky <clears throat> okay I'll, I'll let that go i can i can uh sense some uh trepidation in the uh in the room some some aggression potentially towards MCs. Uh, all, all the let's, best, all the best. <laughs> let's move on you never know we might get you some exclusive scoop we'll work on it peach and black podcast is going to be there in, in one way or another so um you never know Okay, going from something really, really exciting. <laughs> everyone's probably wondering, wow, everyone's in a great mood. I wonder what they're going to do for this show. <laughs> going from something really exciting to something arguably less exciting, we are about to review an album today, and that album is the 1998 release, New Palace Soul. We are finally going to review this album. It came out, we like put I it said, off long enough. <laughs> in 1998 and uh, interesting release to say the least credited to Symbol the artist no um, MPG and, it's and an MPG, MPG album but isn't isn't the uh, on the sleeve of the uh, like the album sleeve it does have the symbol yeah it just has a symbol but yeah it's an MPG release isn't it, it yeah is. I know there's a lot of discography nuts out there that'll swear or money this is an MPG release but to be honest it's clearly a Prince album to me it's got his face on the cover it's got the symbol on the cover on his arm it's a Prince release whoa 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 don't whoa, try whoa. and deny it don't deny it's it like, no, I'm fire today Toe Jam's no. getting straight into it alright we'll get into it. all that <laughs> 
No. We'll get into but all that you, good stuff. You get MPG albums. You know, New Power Soul doesn't fit with those other two albums. It's just so far from what the New Power Generation albums are. Yeah. It's, it's a bit not. It's, it's, a, it's a Prince album. Come on. Yeah. Well, then why credit it to the MPG? I'll get to that at the end. <laughs> You'll answer your own question. Well, hey, hey, here you go. Look at the Symbol album. That's credited to Symbol and the New Power Generation, just like this is. On the, yeah, that's on the, right. On that's the side right. of yeah, the yeah, CD, Prince it's got the, Symbol. Prince and the New Power Generation, says, yeah. Mm. No, but look at the spine of the CD. It says New Power Soul, New Power Generation. On the but front, it's, it's kind of yeah, it's got the symbol, but it's kind of like a tattoo sort of on his arm. Yeah, but look at the other MPG albums. Prince's face, you know, in in Exodus, it's covered up by the Tora Tora thing. Yeah. And this one, it's like he's there looking at you right in the face. It's it's a Prince album. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, it's getting heated. I can feel it. It's getting heated. Let's get into it. There'll be a lot of uh, interesting things, as always, to say about any Prince album. And um, before we go into the song by song, is there anything else that anyone wants to add about this particular period in Prince's career, this particular time, what else was going on, or even anything about the release itself that, that kind of struck you? I think it's interesting that he was just releasing a crap load in this year. Like Crystal Ball came out, which is, you know, five discs worth with The Truth and... Emancipation just before that. My favourite pastime, Kama Sutra. Yeah, hey, oh, Toe Jam, right. Toe Jam you'd know a little bit about yeah. that, that <laughs> record, yeah. wouldn't you? Kama Sutra? Yeah. <laughs> When was the last time you played that album, Toe Jam? What, late last year? Kama yes. Sutra, you would have been spinning that? Sometime October, around October, October maybe. Yeah, I don't think I was spinning it. I think I was spitting around trying to find it and then uploading it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oops. Yeah, you had, um, you had this come out as a triple pack. New Larry power Graham pack. Album, yeah, and the Shaka Khan album. And those three kind of albums, they are kind of brother-sister albums altogether. They sort of have a similar sound and vibe. Speaking so, of yeah. the new power pack, Chaka Khan, Larry Graham and Prince are all playing at the two. 2011 North Sea. Oh, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get the New Power Soul album live. <laughs> each, oh, recreation. Each, record, each a different record every night. You never know, could be it. <laughs> Stuff the revolution comeback. This is the NPG comeback. 98. Party like it's 1998 all over again. Kirky J will be the next announced. Just you wait. So. Hey, hey, don't bag out my man Kirky J. It also oh, will be Marva King as well. She follows us on Twitter. She must be listening to the show. We've got to get her on. Let's get her on. Yeah, Miss New Power Soul. Is Mavis Staples playing this North Sea thing as well? Mavis Staples is playing it. Candy Dolpha is playing it. See. Esperanza Spaulding's playing it. Janelle Monae's right. playing it. Larry G's playing it. Bootsy Collins is playing it. Marcus Miller's yeah, yeah, playing yeah. it. Yeah, 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 get over it. The last time I heard, Mavis Staples and Prince weren't really on the, the best of Ooh, terms. Like a dog in heat. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Captain was referring to those kind of. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> Mavis was just in the country too. She was. I saw her on Facebook cuddling a koala and. Yeah. <laughs> Doing other things. We should. If only Prince came, we could have had the graffiti bridge reunion. We had George, Clinton, Mavis Staples, Tevin Campbell. Oh god! They could have done a really good Prince, version of. Um, Prince let us down again. <laughs> it was the only one who didn't turn up. Now, hold on. T.C. Ellis didn't make it either, did he? Hey. There you go. He couldn't get the time off work. <laughs> I'm not going to mention where he works. That's just disrespectful. But I'll just say he couldn't get the time off. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> Yo, kid, when you going to let me rap? <laughs> <laughs> Once you finish flipping those burgers, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Do a rap about that. 
<laughs> Go, the time has come. Come, just flip that bun, bun. Uh. <laughs> when you hear my music, you'll be having fun. <laughs> let's go. Okay, let's go. Let's put it off. Enough. We're going crazy, that's for sure. Let's go crazy and get into this album review. NPS, New Power Soul by the NPG and Princey, princely guy himself. Um, <laughs> track number <laughs> one, <laughs> New Power Soul. <laughs> What a way to open the album. Yeah. And let's go straight to Captain on this to open the show. Open the review with oh, track number one. Geez. This is the only song I'd, I've only got like one line. Let's go to Toe Jam oh. to open the review of the... <laughs> no, let's hear Captain's yeah. one line. Okay, let's hear Captain's one line. Um, all it says is, is that MPG horns on this track? <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have a point there. I think it might be. But uh, that's it. <laughs> Do you, you like, like the song, song. Captain? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> oh, God. I don't hate it. How about play it? Do, Do you like the song? You're asking the question. Let's get your answer. Uh, well, this is a title that's been bounced around previously for years before this track came out. Even the Love unreleased. Sexy. Yeah, Love Sexy and... The unreleased instrumental appeared on Exodus with the same title and the hook in the chorus has been lifted from Exodus from the Big Fun song and with all that in mind it's a track that doesn't really offer anything new or any new surprises so having said that the opening rhyme is tight the keyboard hook in the chorus has a jazzy swing rhythm that I really like and the horn arrangement before the rap is great the rap itself is another one of those rhymes created around the titles of the other songs on the album which he's very fond of but that aside there's nothing much more it's neither good or bad, as Captain would say. It's just a song. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Let's go all the way to Toe Jam. Get his thoughts. I quite like this one. I think it's a cool little party opener. I've described it as aniseed bubblegum. <laughs> and only you will know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's kind of poppy and cheesy, but it's it's kind of thick and dark as well. I like the walking bass line in the background that goes something like this. Etc. Etc. Cool little mm. baseline. <laughs> uh, I like the the horn lick as well. Again, like Player said, you've got the rap where he's name checking other songs, similar to Cause and Effect. Push the Rave Into remix. Uh, Push, what's yeah. What's the other one that has that classic rap where he sings the names of the songs? <laughs> be careful! Be careful when you use the words classic and rap together when describing the <laughs> <your> prince. <laughs> I can only I think, think of Push now that you said. Oh, to whom it may concern. Concern, yeah. Yes, that one, yeah. Anyway, I think the thing in this song is just the bass. There's so many different types of bass. There's plucked bass, there's slap bass, there's fingered bass, there's synth bass. Mm. So many different bass things going on in this song all the way through. Uh, and you've got the synth strings, which is kind of a theme throughout the album. Uh, yeah. And there's lots and lots of cool production on this one. I think a lot of people get turned off by this whole album as soon as it goes to those um, get freaky, let your head bob chants. I think a lot of people play this album, and as soon as it gets to that, they go, oh, no, what's, what's Prince done? And then it throws the whole album off for them. Mm-hmm. But if you can get past that uh, slight cheesiness, the rest of the song's pretty cool. I like the way it all comes together at four minutes. There's a big line that the whole band plays all together. So, yeah, I think it's a really cool little opener. Okay. Uh, this is one of my favorite songs on this album, definitely. Uh, and it is a great opener, I think. Like, the thing about this song that really... The walking bass line does pop out at me, but the thing that really makes me kind of groove to the track is just the horns and the horn arrangements. I can't believe Toe Jam 
you didn't go into more detail into that. Oh, well, I'll just, go into it now right for you then. So, there's, it. <laughs> there's just this unbelievable, like the the way the horn, I believe it's the horn heads. Am I yeah, close yeah. on that? Yeah. They just have this uncanny ability. And I don't know who's arranging what and who's coming up with the parts. But whoever it is, they're doing an amazing job. But the playing is just so... It's just like... It's funky, but it's like... It's really like, jazzy. Yeah, it's really jazzy, and it, but it's funky at the same time. And it's kind of off-kilter with the... Like, the, the, the horn lines are, are kind of off-kilter with the lead melody of the, the track, New Power Soul. And it's just this... And it's like, what? What's going on here? And um, that really, that's really impressive to me to use those jazzy lines in basically a party anthem. And uh, What's the name of the Hornheads album? Like the It was like 93 or something it came out. It's called the Hornheads, I think. That is just, it's the best album. I mean, I don't listen to any other horn music, you know, so I've got no one to compare. So I can say they are the best horns I've ever heard. Hmm. Well, because I've always I've, like... I've got no one else to compare. As a horn player myself, I'm constantly trying to feed this one off, trying to let other horn players know about these guys because no one knows about them unless you're in the Prince community. It's weird, you know? eh? Yeah. I'm constantly to other horn players, you've got to check out the NPG Hornheads. They kick ass. I like the stuff they'd play, and Captain's mentioned this a few times, but some of the lines they played... At, during the not like the act one act two shows oh, oh god yeah <laughs> it's like liquid gold this is amazing anyway this this is a jamming track great track one of my favorite on the album like i said and um you know what it reminds me very much of um jam of the year yeah yeah, I can that. yeah. it's got that similar vibe and those two songs are uh, two of i mean that would be great to hear either new power soul or jam of the year at a, at a show nowadays i reckon they'd tear it up um Really great stuff, and Rhonda on the bass, I believe. She really—it's uh, too bad this album didn't get didn't get more publicity and more kind of mainstream appeal. Um, and we can argue about why that was, but some of Rhonda's bass lines in here are just ridiculous, ridiculously funky. Just it exudes funk. So anyway, those are my thoughts. And after that, we go into track number two, uh, and I make no qualms about saying this title. It's Mad Sex. In the morning, morning. To have sex in the okay, player, take us into this one. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of you. <laughs> player having mad sex. It popped into my mind. Let's go. Okay, mad sex. Well, this song wasn't much of a surprise for me because it was leaked previously before the CD was released. But I like the loop, the beat. It's a great groove. But nowhere in the songs that change. And after a while, it sounds a bit monotonous. But the piano and the horn accents give it a nice touch. Um, the tone of the trumpet solo is nice for a change instead of saxophone. Again, I'll, this track I'd file is just a song. Just a song? Yeah. Incredible. What? Incredible. Captain, take over. I like the background vocals on this track. They're very good. The chorus, it gets stuck in my head, especially you got that cool riff on the piano and the horns that's there. On this song and on this album, there's a lot of half, uh, I don't know what you call it. Yeah, with Prince, everything, you know, it's on the one. One, two, three, four, that's it. But on this song, it's all about the one and a half. Mm. You've just got this weird little cool sound, whatever it is, on the one and a half every time. And other songs have got it too. Shubidoo. So it's so it's not on the one. There is stuff on the one, but there's stuff on the one and a half, which is cool. It makes you go, oh, yeah, there's something good. <laughs> <laughs> like a dog in heat. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I like this song more than New Power Song. Just, just. 
That's close. Okay. Toe Jam? Uh, I think this is the rock hard in a funky place of the 90s. Ooh. It's got that bebop horn line that runs through it. It's a real mm. tight groove, some you know nasty subject matter, and it's got some cool lyrics. Do it to your tattoos dizzy and the stud in your mouth turns yeah. gold. That's, a, that's such a cool <laughs> lyric. And it kind of ties in with the whole alchemy thing that he was into at the time, I guess. It's about um, as cool as Bushy Head Mulatto Breakdown. <laughs> yeah, that one's not, not so good, though. <laughs> Your lips got wet today. Wow. Actually, throughout, throughout this album, the, the lyrics are really filthy. Yeah. Not just this song, like a few others. It's Yeah, yeah it's the black album of, of um, the 90s. 90s yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. The bass line in this is cool. It's like this, you know, rubbery thing that sort of like sounds like someone's smudging a window. Like it's got a cool yeah. sound to it. Uh, nice trumpet solo, the muted Miles Davis-esque trumpet solo. Hmm. And I agree, I agree the harmony vocals are really cool. And the groove in this was also used a year or two later on the Funky Baldheads track, Rowdy Mac. It's got the same basic groove pattern to it. And that's why I think Prince was credited as a composer on that one. And there's some cool bits like where he says, tumble down, 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 down. And the voice goes down, the music goes down. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, so this is a really cool groove. Um, the highlight is just that horn line, that real beboppy, jazzy horn line. And I'd love to know who actually wrote that, whether it was Prince kind of scatting it and then them transcribing it, or whether it was just purely a new hornheads thing. I don't know. But, um, that would be cool. cool just on that note, that would be cool to hear one day. You know, I wish yeah. one day we, for yeah. whatever album he releases, they come, you know, other bands do like documentary album releases, you know, like this is this was the making of this. That'd be really cool to hear Prince scatting horn lines and then the horn guys playing them. Well, that's it's what whenever gonna... Eric Leeds or these guys are interviewed, they always say, oh, you know, who wrote the horn lines? And they always say, well, like Prince gave us an idea to work with and then we kind of developed it. Hmm. So I kind of imagine like Prince going, yeah, do something like this, do ba da da do da da or something. And then they go through and, and transcribe <laughs> like, it. And then, what, what did he just say? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've read some with the hornheads, something about Prince doing it on a keyboard, laying yeah. it out as a yeah. keyboard line for them to as a, a sketch. Well, because yeah, there is piano that plays along with it, so maybe that's all it was was just Prince's piano part, and then they've just yeah. doubled. And uh, one tiny thing at the very end, it's got that uh, muted trombone slide at the end, and it's kind of yeah. reminiscent of um, Sticky Wicked, uh, the ending of Sticky Wicked, where Miles is like um, stuffing around in the studio, going, "It sounds like a crow," and he's like playing this, this noise. <laughs> I've never heard. That sounds funny. So yeah, it always reminds me of that, whether that's intentional or not. Or more like it sounds like a crow. <laughs> he plays the shit out of the drums. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is a good kind of um three in the morning just stuff lying all over the floor, empty wine bottle kind of end of the night feel to the track you know like it's just post-party breakdown i guess the bushy head mulatto breakdown this is an interesting track it's kind of again it continues the off-kilter theme he's got these horn and trombone lines that really i think play in contrast to the bass and some of the kind of lower bass note piano playing it's just so it's almost discordant sounding um not in any complicated way but it's just sounds going all over the place and um you know high register low register stuff happening at, at either end yeah, it's an interesting track bit of a jam and that's the thing about this album it's, it starts to you know two tracks in at the end of that second track you, th- you start thinking man this is, this is just like a party record which is cool because a lot of the material he was doing in the 90s, as much of it was funky, it was always kind of um, a bit serious, a lot of it. And this is just like the, you know, the MPG having a good time. So I like this track as well. Decent song. And that leads us into 
ballad territory, I guess. Track number three, and it's... Until you're in my arms again. Oh, yeah. Before Captain... <laughs> I love it that much, his, Captain. Before he goes into his lengthy um, rant. <laughs> rant about this. Why, Jam, why don't you start us off and tell us what you think about track number three? I used to really hate this song for most of the time I, ha- I had the album. I just hated it. It just sounded like this terrible ballad. But I've, I've grown to appreciate it a bit more just in the sentiment alone. I think there's a very nice sentiment running through it. It's just a little bit too synthy. I think it would have been better on either Emancipation or like the um, the last half of Rave, which is, you know, you got these sort of ballads on it. Like you can't fault his vocals. They're very nice. And it's got an amazing scream towards the end, like really clear, crystal clear scream, which is good. But it just, I don't know, it's just a bit too synthy. And I think it's that synth acoustic bass. Just sounds too much like it's just been played on a keyboard for the sake of it. And even the the bridge when it goes, you know, if life remains a mystery and the chords change, you think, oh, this is a really nice bit. Like the chords are really nice there, but what's he saying? If life remains a mystery, there's no reason to rhyme. It's just, ah, uh, what's that, you know, that lyric doesn't really do anything for me. And it was a sort of a missed opportunity, that bridge, I think. Uh, it could have said something a bit more. So yeah, I'm not a huge fan. One interesting thing, I don't know if it's an intentional or whether it's like a mixing mistake at three minutes 30 towards the end of the song, just out of nowhere the front vocal just kind of dies and it's right in the background and the background vocals just are just really loud and it's where he sings um i never see like others see i know you're going to come right back to me that that bit there and it's just like the front vocal just goes right back to the back and the, the background vocals just stand out heaps just all of a sudden i don't know why that is whether it's just him playing a little trick or whether it was a mistake in the final mix or something i don't know but it's interesting hmm. But yeah, it's, it's not not my favorite track. It's not a bad ballad, I guess, but it's pretty forgettable. Player. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit mixed on this track <laughs> because I'm in two minds as to what message he's trying to convey. And if it, if it's the reason I think it is, then it comes across as he's selling himself a bit short to make it clear as to what the subject matter is. I'm not a big fan of the vocal register he's using as he starts the verses. To my ears, it sounds a bit off key, but I really like the bridge section that leads up to the chorus. I think that's really nice. I've got to give it up to Claire Fisher and the way the orchestra weaves in and out throughout the verses. It doesn't sound like it's a sample for sample's sake. It's, it sounds like it's being composed, you know, specifically for the track. Overall, I think it's a sad song to listen to and I don't tend to listen to it much. But, I mean, if that was the emotion he was trying to convey, I guess he's successful in doing so. So I'll hand it over to you guys. Hand it over to Captain. Captain, begin your rant now. <sighs> It's track three. It has to be a ballad. That, that's that's the rule. That's Prince, that's Prince rules. Everyone knows that. It really shows the plastic digital sound of this album when even on a ballad like this, it starts off with all these, you know, digital sounds going on. He pioneered uh, the autotune era. Uh, and we're supposed to be happy about that? No. He's very sugary. Uh, The verses for me are pretty bland. I don't know if it's the way he sings it or what he's singing. It's just, there's just nothing there. Um, I'm not sure if the, you know, where he changes between falsetto and his normal register. I don't know if that works or not. It just sounds weird to me. This song just gets to me because on a ballad, you want some sort of, you know, some atmosphere, which you can get with a, you know, with like a, a live sound. But this sounds so not live and it suffers for it, I think. Totally. It it's, kills the it kills the emotion he's trying to get across. It's just too synthesized. Yeah, it's yeah, and 
is it really Claire Fisher? It's it's real strings, not just synth crap. I didn't really listen to the. No, it's crap. Because I just because I, I just assumed it was synth rubbish. And I didn't really listen to it because everything else. It's just oh, it's just a horrible sound. But um, it gets going about three ten with the falsetto, and my favorite bit in this song is from three twenty five to three twenty eight. Go and listen to it. When this song starts, it just, it has an air of, um, yeah, you're right, plasticity and just sugary, syrupiness, and it doesn't do anything for me. But this song, this is a frustrating song for me. Yeah. Because he's tried, he's attempted this style so many times, so much, so, I don't, and I don't know if you guys are thinking this as well, but I think he's done this way more successfully. Yeah. You know, you th- oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, whether it's Scandalous, Insatiable, Adore, The Beautiful Ones, Love to the Night, each, the list goes on and on and on. And I think this song brings absolutely nothing new in its arrangement and its execution, outside of the fact that maybe it could be argued that some of the elements that it brings to the table are kind of a bit frivolous, you know, like, you know, the the plasticity the plastic sounding instrumentation and all that that player did touch on one interesting thing that I don't think anyone else mentioned which was the um, the Claire Fisher arrangement and as always it's brilliant like I don't has Claire Fisher ever put a foot wrong no, I don't think so. I mean, it's just this, this air of class that always graces Prince's music, so I'm thankful to hear that. Yeah, and the, the vocal's great, but, you know, I guess the thing with Prince is I, I, sometimes I get the opinion that it's he's in a lose-lose situation to a degree because he's such a talented artist and he's got so much work. You know, a, a track like Until You're In My Arms Again can just fall through the cracks and... You know, some of us might agree that it's pretty syrupy, more more towards the bland scale of, of of his ballad. You know, the ballads that he's released. But in someone else's arms, it could be a really meaningful love song. So, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. It's okay. I wish it wasn't on this album. I think it, it's it's almost like he's done the album and then he's realised, oh, I need a ballad on this album, or it won't sell or something, and he's thrown it on. And I don't know. It just it doesn't fit in it. He would have been better just leaving it as a total party album. So. Yeah. Like the Black Album. Well, Although, even, that's, even that's got... When to Run Up. Which totally doesn't fit that album at all. Mm. And, and Captain mentioned um, the third track is generally the, the ballad. And as true as that is, I think I was, I was reading in some... Um, Either on an album or live. More yeah. usually live. Well, I was reading in, in some record production magazine or something. I can't remember what it was exactly, but some record producer or engineer was making the comment that it's almost like an unwritten law now that has been for years in the music industry especially within pop music that um artists tend to place the best what they consider the really the best song of of the album or the the centerpiece of the album and more often than not the single of an album as the third track prince tends to to use that third spot as as you know space for his ballads but i I don't know if that's true has anyone heard that I, i don't know if that's a myth or not but supposedly the third track on on a pop album seems to be the the big one mm-hmm. and, uh, this one isn't but i mean it's okay i think he's just un- unharshly criticized uh, and sometimes we might be doing that as well but he, i think he's unharshly criticized when he's got so much material and this just doesn't you know there, there are so many better examples yeah by prince's standards by yeah. prince's standards exactly yeah that's the key phrase i think mm. so from three to four we go to when you love somebody. Yay! And, 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 
Captain's just Captain just, loves somebody. Captain has just reviewed the album for me with that comment. Yay! That's how I feel about it. Okay, so Captain, have you got have you got much to say about this? I like this song. This is the futuristic track. Not all Prince Whoa. albums have it, but a lot of his albums they've got. There's always one song, and it's like, you know, like say Black Sweat on 3121 and there's there's other songs it's just like this is the future this is the sound of the music in the future on this album this is the future song, this, song. that's right and this is the one it's still a very plasticky production but i can forgive that it's got good backing vocals i really like the chorus because probably because it's just really poppy and cheesy i guess you can say which which is why i like it there's there's a rap at 440 that's cool there's some cool little guitar notes during the rap only in the left speaker you know as mc is gonna say who does that go and listen to the rap and listen to these little guitar notes only wow. coming out one speaker wow, wow. yeah those ones it's just cool <laughs> every time i hear that i'm like ah yeah that's him and you got the last like 20 or so seconds of just rock out that should have lasted longer and then it ends i like this song Good stuff. Alright, alright. Player. I like this song as well. I think it's a decent pop style track, but it does sound like uh, Emancipation Leftover. Hmm. So in that regard, sound-wise, it doesn't offer anything new, but the production sounds fresh and punchy. The horn's around 2 minutes 51. Sounds like Earth, Wind & Fire. Actually, the horns would have had one of the highlights of this track. The rap where he talks about his balls is an okay attempt for Prince, but (laughs) and the the, the (laughs) coda that follows... That is uh, really nice and funky. It's a really cool guitar yeah. in there. That's a cool track, yeah. I think it's good. Yay. Okay. Yay. Well, my very short review of this song is... Balls. Is a ball. <laughs> All balls. <laughs> uh, when you love somebody, it's about the balls. <laughs> this is a... a in uh, your pants. <laughs> when you love somebody, the, the key things that stand about it from memory are... The vocal harmonies and I guess the chorus. There's something syrupy about this song again, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with syrupy, I guess. It's his balls. Different, <laughs> different strokes for different folks. I was going to say, you know, until my arms again. When you love somebody, and some of the other song titles, they're all a bit kind of mushy, mushy, kind of lovey dovey. And this is one of them. It is a good song. I like the the sensation I get when I listen to it. You know, it's a, it's very heavy and thick and luscious sounding, so it's got a good oral quality. But there's nothing stand out. There's nothing that really stands out about this song for me. Just like the previous two, I would suggest. And when we get to the end of the album, I'll say that you know nothing about the album in particular except for maybe one or two tracks stands out. So I don't really have a lot to say about this. Let's go straight to Toe Jam and see if he can uh, up the ante. Oh, I like the song. To me, this is the closest Prince song to like a dangerous Michael Jackson kind of song. It's got that real tight electric drums uh, Mm. and it's real stop start. It's got that real dangerous feel to it to me. Yeah. Uh, And... uh, I like the bass in this song, how it's it's just like this seesaw bass going, woo, just up and down the whole... And it goes almost all the way through the song. It's cool. 
Uh, and the horns just add that real tightness to it again and really brighten the day. Uh, 250, I had the same as player. That's a cool little horn line there. And there's lots happening. It's not You don't really think of it as being a guitar track, but when you, like Captain said, when you listen to this in headphones, there's so many guitar things going on in this track. Like yeah. um, rhythm guitar stuff, lead guitar solos just here and there and thick stuff. It's a really guitar-heavy track in disguise. Yeah, and it's oh, weird. Yeah. I wonder how many people listen to this song and, and think of guitar. Yeah, as, yeah. A, as a prominent But there's heaps in element. there, yeah. Hmm. There's a very interesting lyric, possibly the start of Prince's Jehovah's Turning, where he says, who needs love when you got protection? And I kind of find that a very strange lyric, because on the one hand, I, I don't agree with him. But on the other hand, he does raise an interesting point, kind of like, well, you know, if everyone's just doing it, then, you know, where's the love kind of thing? I can kind of see his point, but I don't think it's, I don't think he's really thought it through as well as he should. On that but one. hold on, doesn't he follow that up by saying, quote, unquote, your point of view? Yeah. I always read that lyric very, very differently. Yeah. Well, see, I've read it as though, like, he's against protection. Protection That's... against it? Like, what kind of protection? Uh, like, roll it on protection. Like, contraception yeah. protection. Exactly. Yeah. That's the way I've always read it. Oh, he's never been against it. Yeah. Remember I don't know. That's just the way I hear it. I suggest so. if he was against it, <laughs> he'd have a whole family by now, wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But remember yeah. the dawn dot com and the opening screen. It was like a cartoon figure laying on a lounge, and there was like a bowl of condoms <laughs> sitting next next to the person. Yeah. Well, don't, don't forget he's had his own <laughs> brand like my house of on a condoms. Yeah, that's right, purple raincoats. That's right. Yeah, the purple raincoats. All right. Though, that, well, you know, I'm sure I'm sure his thoughts could have changed since then, but stand still. Corrected. Yeah, I stand corrected. <laughs> I don't know, but that's the way I've always heard it. And I'm kind of like, well, think about that one, Prince. Yeah, uh, think about rap- that, Prince. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I'll change topic completely now. The um, the rap groove, the bassline, quite kind of reminds me of Vicky Waiting. That do 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 do. And there's a really cool lyric in there that just sort of blows my mind when I hear it because I have no idea what he's talking about, but it sounds cool. In a state of mind that's weightless, see, on the quantum tip, I flipped on the notion. When the atoms split, we got Eve. That's just a cool lyric. I don't know what he's yeah. talking about, but it sounds cool. So the atom is a play on the word atom, yeah. obviously, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, maybe, wow, Prince, maybe when Prince comes to Australia, he can explain that lyric to you, Toby. Maybe, maybe I'll ask him in Rotterdam. <laughs> Well, I think yeah. it, it kind of ties in with that my strange but true theory, where it's kind of Prince is mixing his religion with like you know quantum. Well, he thinks he is quantum mm-hmm. mechanics and this kind of stuff. So I don't know. Thinks that actually makes sense. Yeah, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. Neither do I. So <laughs> we no one on the Beach of Blake <laughs> podcast knows what they're talking about. <laughs> and finally, the um, the balls reference is a it just spoils that rap. I think because mm. it just sticks out and it's like oh, my balls, that, <laughs> my balls. I didn't want to hear I that. I didn't want to know that. <laughs> It's funny that you I, should say it sticks out. That's another <laughs> unfortunate. You were all saying, you were all talking about this. I don't even know what you're talking about. I never noticed. <laughs> what is the? What does he say, Captain? This <laughs> just proves your 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 famous line about not listening to lyrics. I listened to some, but you know, it didn't. That line didn't stand out to me. I didn't hear any <laughs> reference to balls, but I heard the one that Toe Jam said about atoms, and I heard that one. Uh, listen again. Have a listen again. Oh. Anyway, I'll leave okay, it there. I'll, so. I'll, I'll go and listen to Prince's balls again. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's a cool track. It's a very cool track. Okay, I reckon this song's the brother sister of "In This Bed I Scream." Hmm. Yeah, that's I can very, that. very close. Oh, it is. Yeah. Could be the B side, maybe. Hmm. So going from that track to the most skippable track on this album. <laughs> are we gonna oh. skip it or are we gonna review it? That's the question. Oh, oh we'll do it. We'll do it, but. Ooh. 
Well, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to surprise you here, but I, I think this is an amazing track. You think you're going to surprise oh, us? Uh, off the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, there's a surprise for you. <laughs> hear me out, hear me out. I think it, it actually really creates the atmosphere of what he's singing about. Like, um, he's obviously singing about a, a prostitute that isn't exactly having the happiest of lives. And uh, I think the music really does really well to convey that image. The bass and the drums, it, just, it seems like everything's in slow motion and it's kind of like this woman, like everything's just sort of, she's waking up to this world that she's living in and the world is turning and she can't stop it kind of thing. It's the dream Prince song. It sounds like it's come from his dream that only Prince could imagine this one. And the lyrics are just, you know, they're very graphic and um, uh, very to the point. You know, you wonder aloud if you're happy, you say, yeah, as if you really are. I mean, like, it's pretty deep, I think, because, like, I think everyone's been in that situation where you're kind of down and you're trying to talk yourself into, you know, no, no, things, but, you know, you're still kind of down. And, and then he just pins it straight there. The answer to life is a gray-haired bitch. It's like, oh, where'd that come from? Like, it's, you know. <laughs> He's letting that hooker know, like, you know, this is what's, this is what's happening to your life. <laughs> He's laying the smack down. <laughs> That's right. And they're like, you know, like, aftertaste of a boy. It's like, oh, man. Oh, wow. He might not come again. Yeah, he's he's but, um, leaving the hundred dollar really, bill on the on the on the bedside table, isn't he? With that one, really. <laughs> yeah, but I think like I don't know. I I think the music really adds to it. I can't really describe how, but it, just the way everything's sort of slow and the the bass yeah, is tempo. really deep, like really deep bass. And then another great lyric: um, "Let him see your hand playing the queen. Don't work on your knees." Just you know, really nice play on the whole like poker and you know hookers and that kind of thing. And, and then at two minutes fourteen, he adds another harmony to the to the chorus, "Shubidoo," and it just brightens thing up just slightly. So it kind of t- turns this pity that you have for this woman uh, into kind of well, you know, maybe she might work a way out of things. And, and and the strings and these bubbly keys, you know, it's it kind of like it gives this feeling like it's all in your stomach and you're about to vomit. Like I don't know, I can just really feel that. <laughs> I definitely get that feeling sometimes when I listen to no, this but album. A, you know, I get it in <laughs> a way. Like, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the, the feeling he's trying to portray, I think. Hmm. And uh, I think it's an amazing track. I think you should definitely go and listen to it again, I think. And listen to it as a story song. Like it's song, he's telling the story. And, um, he, so he's yeah. the pimp, basically. He's pimping <laughs> it. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> but yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a great track. Very underrated track. Ooh. Probably one of his most underrated ever, I think. Oh, Wow. Not that I'm saying it's the greatest thing ever, but it's very, very underrated because I know a lot of people just pan it. I was going to say you were going to you, you were going to call this your dream track. Well, it is. <laughs> it's not my dream track, as in it's a, an amazing, an amazing track. But it is the track that sounds like it came from a Prince dream. Like only he could come up with this. Sort of thing. You said it. There we go. Okay, play on, player. Are you pimping to this? Mm, well, the chorus is catchy, and the glitchy digital soundscapes make for interesting listening, not to mention some of the dirty lyrics that go with it. But musically, there's nothing that jumps out and grabs me. Again, some of the sounds have recycled emancipation all over them, but hmm. the song as a whole, to me, just comes across as like an unfinished idea. Like, I think he's got that shooby doo idea, and that that's really catchy, but then it doesn't really, I don't know, complete it. But, like, I, I am interested in... Gem's interpretation of it. I'll, I'll go and check it out again. Cool, cool. Capitan. This song, I have never listened to the lyrics in this song. The only lyrics I do know... You didn't listen know, to the lyrics of the last song either, and that had balls in it. <laughs> 
I heard some of them. I just didn't hear the balls. Now that I know it's there, I'll go and listen to it. <laughs> but for this sh- Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo. I, I only know the Scooby-Doo lyric and the one, <laughs> the, the one Toe Jam mentioned about spitting out the aftertaste. I think because of that one line, I just don't like this song. That's just, you know, that's one mental image I don't want to have in my head. No, I'm never going to look I at just Scooby Doo dis- the same way again either. <laughs> I'm never going to look at that album cover the same way again after this review. I think I just dislike this whole song because of that one line. That's just, it just puts me off and I'm like, ah, oh, no, nah, I don't need to listen to this song. So I've never heard the story. I've never heard anything in it except for that line. And uh, most skippable track because of that lyric. Wow. Which you I know, don't usually listen to. You know, Captain, I'm thinking of you now. Horrible. Do you know what would be a good B-side to this? What? Come on, say it. Just say it. Uh, the morning after? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Possibly. Oh, yeah. look at this. That would rock it up the charts. Telepathic, telekinetic en- energy on the Preacher Black podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about Scooby-Doo? Oh, uh, <laughs> Oh, it's cartoonish, isn't it? No, it's uh you know what? I think this is like the um oh, it's just an attempt at being neo soul, but it doesn't quite I don't know, it just doesn't quite come off. Tojo mentioned the story storyline element to it and I mean, for storyline, I reckon you can't go past a track like Shy, for example, which, which although very different in its yeah. themes, is still similar. Oh, but in- that's got some terrible lyrics in it, that, you know, shooting him with my gun and whatever it is, popping him in the head. It's like, what the hell? That's yeah, stupid. that's true. I guess the lyrics might be a little bit... Swap the lyrics with... <laughs> take the music to Shy, put the lyrics of Shooby Doo in there, and it might be a classic track. Um, I don't know. <laughs> and the shoe bed ooh. I don't know. That's a bit... One weird thing about this is Shooby Doo is such like a classic line from like, you know, old, you know, blues or whatever, soul. And then he's put it into a song about a whore. I beg your pardon. But I think that's what's good about it is that it's kind of like this, you know, she's living this fantasy world where, you know, she doesn't realize her life is actually complete rubbish. Yet she's living this sort of dream world and it's like, oh, Shooby Doo kind of thing. And I don't know. I think it works really well. Well, it's an interesting social commentary on the... um Let's be frank about prostitution, I guess, and about the fact that, like you say, Toe Jam, you, you're just treading water. You're not really going anywhere. And I guess if you really want to get really deep into the lyrics, even though they're not explicit in saying so, it wouldn't be too far removed, I don't think, to say that this is a comment on the, I don't want to sound too serious here, but, you know, like the decay of the soul, really, you know, I mean, yeah. just kind of giving up your body for money and... I think he's, I think he does address that though when he says, you know, how are you going to win? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Exactly. You guys need to listen to this again. <laughs> I think I might have to actually. Um, and that's an interesting thing. You know, we do these reviews, and at first, I know there was some trepidation going into the album review, but yeah, this this might be something I need to check out again. I don't have too much to say. Maybe I need to listen to it a little bit more. But by no means am I saying this is a bad song. It's maybe one for the iPod. Anyway, halfway point. <laughs> Let's go into track number six. And it's time to introduce our friend, Dougie Fresh. Oh. <laughs> Dougie, player's main man, Dougie Fresh. <laughs> player, why don't you lead this review off? Because it might be interesting to hear what you have to say about pushing push it up. up. Push it up, push it up, player. Speaking of, push it up to the sky. <laughs> Speaking of recycled emancipation, ooh, everybody's here. This is the jam of the year. 
<laughs> this is clearly the studio version of a track that's designed for the live setting. So if hmm. a live version of this was included instead of this, it would have come off a bit better. But yeah, it's just a jam that doesn't really go anywhere. It's like hmm. a warm-up, hype-up type song. I've got nothing else at it. That's it. Woo. Wow. Nothing about... Um, wow. Hold on. Does, does this song contain the, the famous or the infamous uh, Dougie Fresh rap? Uh, yeah, it does. Spectacular, yeah. mactacular, spectacular, yeah, more yeah, legend than a new Acura. Yeah. Oh! oh. <laughs> yeah. It's bad, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it Actually, is. it is cool. The only thing cool about that is that it's Prince and, and um, Dougie Fresh doing it at the same time. That's cool. But other than that. But see, Dougie, Dougie's not really a rapper. Like he, you said that. I remember you saying that last Like he's, he's, he's very highly regarded in the hip-hop community and Scene, but he's like a beatboxer primarily, mm. and so like that that kind of thing was like a fad. Like once you once you hear the beatboxing, it's cool. And then like for him to sustain his career, he would have to, you know, step into a bit of rapping, which he does with you know Ladi Dadi and the Show and all that with Slick Rick. But he's more of a beatboxer than a rapper. So you know when he comes to the table here and puts out a rap, you know, that's why when Dougie Fresh was in the, all the tours, he was doing. The show on Ladi Dadi because that's really the only raps that he knows. He doesn't. He's not really a rapper. I mean, so, let's be honest. He's player, a what, what are you trying to say? Would, are you trying to say that Tony M would put a foot in his ass? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I, I think Dougie would put his foot in Tony M's ass, but <laughs> he, I mean, he's a big box. He does it very well. He does it very well. But you know, this rap here that he puts into this—it's a testament to like what he's capable of, which isn't a lot. <laughs> oh wow okay I haven't got too much to add but I should add something shouldn't I um hmm <laughs> I agree with Play about the live comment this could be like a good good song to use as an interpolation with another track like if he's doing I don't know some sort of medley and he like just includes push it up chants you know jam of the year there you go jam, <laughs> jam of the year or like Push Freaks on up. This Side, again, the Freaks on This Side chants and all that, and those are good. And I think they've been used in the past, but it's just a pretty pedestrian uh, pretty pedestrian groove in there. I'm not re- really a fan of the shout-outs in the background. It sounds like more that. like school kids than actual background vocalists, <laughs> yeah. and it's kind of... It's kind of uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's all right, I guess. Let's move on to uh, Captain and get his thoughts. This song is... It's funky, straight away. As soon as it starts, you got that cool synth riff. It just goes along. You could really do without Miss Mr. Rapper, who turned up, you know, way too often during this era to ruin songs. Has no one else has picked it up? But I only noticed it for the first time today as well. The 1999-esque verses where they all sing a line. Prince does the first one, then Larry, yeah, then right. yeah. Oh, yeah. then the woman. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, did, I didn't notice that till today, and I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. He's doing that again. He's doing that again. Uh, the Jam of the Year sample, it, it fits in, but it's it's just a recycled thing. This whole album is very, uh, I think, musically challenged. I don't know. Musically <laughs> challenged? <laughs> that's a new way of describing a record. <laughs> There's wow. just not a lot of ideas on this album. It's just... It seems like to be an album for an album's sake of putting out an album this year. Yep. There's not a lot in there, you know? There's not hmm. a lot of substance to me. And this song, you know, and Freaks on this side as well, it's just, I like funky music as well. It's, they're just, they're nothing tracks, really. 
this is like, you know, every album's got a, a filler track. This is like a filler album. <laughs> like, I'd say more than half the tracks are like filler tracks. Are you There's at your not- conclusion wrap-up already? <laughs> Halfway through the album. What's your rating, Captain? <laughs> Just <laughs> put us as, uh, out of our misery. But yeah, I don't know. We'll get to that later. But I like to end this song with the when they're singing "Push It Up" and it gets higher and higher. That's mm. cool. That's good stuff. I like that. Hmm. But yeah, that's it for that song. It's a pretty apart from the ninety ninety nine cool little everyone sings a line. There's nothing in this song for me. You got the bloody Dougie doing what he's not great at. But, Dougie oh, <laughs> Dougie Stale. That's my that's my new name for him. Dougie Stale. Okay, Toe Jam. Uh, I think this is bordering on the most skippable. I think it's a real, it's a bit of a disappointment, this track, because it's right in the middle. It's five and a half minutes long or something like that. And you think, oh, it's going to be the, it's the funk staple of the album, like DMSR or something like that. And it's just not. It's just, it's a bit of a disappointment. I guess, you know, the hook is pretty cool. Like, that's cool. But to run it through the whole song the way it does, hmm. you just, you're sick of it by the end of it. And it's a shame because it's a cool little hook. I think you sparingly, that would have yeah. been a lot better. See, um, it is, that's what I'm saying. It's one cool hook, which, you know, overdone. Is, you know, seven seconds long, but he stretches it to, see, you know, six minutes. Yeah. And it just, it's, it, it's musically challenged. There's like one little riff and he bases a whole song on it. Yeah. There's not much else there. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not it's not too bad. Um, I like the kind of there's a cool effect running throughout. It kind of sounds like a, a car trying to start, but it's not starting. This kind of probably like a record scratching technique or something. I don't know. And the rap is kind of cool when it first comes in with Prince and Dougie. You think oh, that's pretty cool, but then it's kind of ruined by some of the lyrics in it. Uh, the Acura lyric, the worst. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually I like I like the crowd samples. I think it's kind of interesting the way it pans around and he pitch fixes it so it's really high then really low and it's kind of a, a an eerie scary kind of sound running through it. But by three minutes thirty, which is when the um uh, the push it up bit starts that Captain was talking about where it gets higher and higher. Like I don't like that bit. It's just like that would have been better on like a you know a twelve inch. But even then, it just seems like a, an idea that shouldn't be on the album. It's just you know two or three minutes there of just of filler. That last bit. It's like yeah, I get the idea. It's, it's good the first time you hear it, and then every other time it's like once it gets to three minutes thirty or so, I just I press skip. Um, That's all filler, no killer. <laughs> yeah. But I, I can imagine this this would go off live a bit. Like opening opening a show, and I think he did open it in the '98 shows around there, and that would have been cool. But yeah, it's it's just a bit of a disappointment. The song. I just wanted to say that he did some shows in London in August '98, and I think he did one in Brixton and um, somewhere else. And I got to London like a couple of weeks after that, and I was so annoyed that I missed the shows. But looking back at like the set list that he was <laughs> playing, then I'm like, eh, oh, I, I could live without seeing that show. <laughs> You know that thing about, you mentioned set lists now, and I'm sure we've had this discussion, uh, and it's nothing new, but I just feel like mentioning it. I, I just start to more and more, as the years go by, care less about this actual set list. And I think probably ToeJam from memory has said this most most out of all of us, is like the set list really isn't like a um, the, the litmus test anymore because he, mm. sometimes he plays these, assumedly, you know, this is what I hear or read, that... He'll play a set list where you know a lot of it is, is hits base material or, or more well-known songs, and we think, oh, you know, we've heard, we've heard that all before. And then, but then you hear of people, of fans saying, you know, no, 
you know, don't worry about the fact that it's that they're not, you know, lesser known songs. The performance was amazing, and you know, I don't know that we probably all agree on that. I'm not sure. Jump in at any time, but well, you, you could argue that you know the setlist isn't that important because you know you go into a Prince show. It's it's the whole experience of going to a Prince show. Hmm. The, the tracks he actually plays are not the most important thing, though it is a factor. But he could get up there and play all the hits, and it'd still be a great show. It'd be it'd kick ass over any other bunch of losers who'd get up there and do it. <laughs> as long as but, it's a good performance, right? Yeah, it can't be a you know do it while he's asleep sort of show, which he's everyone does a few of them now and then. You can't help it. You can't be on you know every single night. You have an off show, but you know. You can, you'll never feel satisfied if you were at the off show mm. and then you see, you know, or, you, or maybe you went to two shows. One was great, one wasn't so great. And then you, you get, the more shows you go to, the more you're going to see, oh, you know, this night he was a lot better than this night. Mm. I'm, now I'm just rambling. <laughs> oh, I just want to mention one more thing. Yeah, I can't okay. believe no one mentioned it. Larry Graham's in there in this track. I said that. And, uh, the vocals. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the way Jar wants us to be. Mm. That, that lyric <laughs> kills the song. <laughs> Uh, not as much as the aftertaste line. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, much, much worse, much worse. Do you oh, love no. your mother? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So from that we go from push it up to freaks on this side. You got to get down. Track number seven, and finally, he starts using, or I say, I should say they, the MPG, start using some chants that are really, like, uber funky, and these chants have been used in, occasionally in concert. Let me see, let me see, let me see. Uh, Captain, did you say this was funky? Uh, Yeah, another track based on an audience chant. It can't always end well, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So much for your glowing review. (laughs) You know, it's a good attempt, but, you know, you got the funky horns to start off with, and then you've got the chorus, which I've got to say the lyrics for this. I I put it on Facebook as well. Uh, These lyrics are just, you got to get down to a brand new sound. In the water you drown, but the lost is found. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I believe I've been baptized. <laughs> I mean, I've heard lots of crap lyrics. I've written some very awful lyrics myself, but seriously, this is just not good. This is not good lyricism hmm. from someone who we've heard. You can blame the MPG's so influence on that. So much better. But yeah, this just seems like another filler track. And, you know, most albums have got at least one. This this album has its majority of tracks seem to be filler. It's an audience chant song. What can you say? Player. <laughs> yeah, this this is just a down-tempo P-Funk style jam. The delivery of the vocals sound a bit like Get Wild in the way they, they're sort of sung. You know, in Get Wild, how he goes, you know, when you can't find the G to your gold. And this in this song, that's like when you can't, find the reason for the smoke and I don't know it sounds a bit similar the way it's sort of delivered but as it plots along it it just gradually gets messy and it just sounds like a cluttered soundscape by the time you get to the end of it there's all these horns going off and I don't know it just save the chant style songs for the live setting I don't know it it just yeah doesn't really do anything well I give him credit on this track because it is kind of experimental like it is very, it is a unique song, I think, musically and production-wise. Like when he's singing 
the vocals, you know, it's kind of this sort of monotone vocal. And then he's got like this really low effect on his voice doubling it. And it's like super low. You couldn't even probably couldn't understand it if you didn't have the lead vocal on top. And um, the horns are really fat. And it, it's just a very interesting groove that he's trying to create. So I give him credit for trying to be experimental on it. The horns are the highlight, obviously, at 205, yeah. this massive big fat bebop line. Yeah. Just like, whoa, where'd that come from? Like, love that line. And he says a cool lyric at the end of the song, God is love, love is God, party in this way. There's so much more to gain. You think, oh, great. But when you look at the lyrics prior to that, I think he's got other motives on his mind when he's talking about knowing the process of creation and understanding everything in every book. It's kind of the uh-oh moment. We're going a bit off the deep end here with the, um, the Bible stuff. Hmm. When everybody and, calls the truth by a different name. And, yeah. Yeah. So the motives in the lyrics of the song, I find a little bit disturbing, which is interesting because I didn't really bother with the lyrics in Rainbow Children. So but this song do kind of does kind of stick me the wrong way. But having said that, I think musically there's some interesting things. Like when people say, you know, this album, there's nothing new on it. Well, I think well he does try on this one to do something new. And so give him credit for that. So Yeah, I'll leave it there. And it's a cool chant. Freaks on this side. That's a you know go, that would go off in a in a live setting. That chant. Okay, okay. I'll take that straight off you and just say that yeah, it would go off. And um, the chant is awesome. But I don't think too much about the song actually. Um, it's more like a chant. We've said this word chant, 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 chant. It's a, it's a chant song, and I agree. It mainly whenever I think of this song, I think about the chant. I can't get past it, and I very rarely remember anything else. Although there, there is that really fuzz fuzzy sounding synth bass line reminiscent of um, parliament uh, funkadelic George Clinton style funk jams that I think player mentioned and um, you know it's cool but it's again it's by the numbers and um, Prince and the MPG really don't offer anything new on this one I don't think and just like with many other songs on this record uh, many of them I think would translate really cool in an like an after party or a club show but on the album uh, don't get me wrong I like having it on in the background it's just something you can groove to but again we're talking about Prince and I think I'll take this opportunity to just make one observation. He's set himself such high standards and he's known as a, you know, an amazing musician, composer, etc. I won't ramble on too much, but you know what? Why can't he just release an album like that? You know, I hear so many fans having a problem with New Power Soul. You know, so many people have have written about it and commented about it. You know, it's worthless or, you know, just really average or bland. You, you hear these things all the time. Now, I'm not talking about all fans at the moment, because some fans, some of us on this show, like this record to some degree. But I just think, you know, he's an artist, and he releases a lot of music, and this is a party record, so listen to it as such. It's not revolutionary, won't change your life, but it's a good it's a good record, and this song is a, is a decent track, I guess. Anyway, with that minor rant, let's go into track number eight, and this should be fun. Come on. Come on, baby. Track number eight, come on, come player. On. Come on, All right, player. here it is. This Ooh. is where the song where the strong material jumps out of nowhere and smacks you upside the head. At first, oh, come on, player. 
the first few listens when I got this CD, I glazed over this song, but you know, it just didn't strike me initially. But yeah, this is where it's at. The beat is strong and heavy, working with the synth bass. The keyboard line is catchy. The minor key harmony of the music, the not quite Camille, but close enough vocal delivery with Shaka Khan, the bottleneck guitar playing. It's all these elements that really drive this song. Um, I think this is the make your head nod track of the album. The remix EP I'm also a fan of. The video is great as well. Prince dressed up as the old man. I think his name is Sol. <laughs> the fisting motion out the car window. Say what? <laughs> you know when he winds down. I never car. want you to use the words fisting and motion <laughs> together on this show ever again. <laughs> but um, in this case, we'll make an exception. Um, <laughs> asking on the street and having the watchtower handed to him by Larry and Tina. Yeah, it's, it's a fun video. And it's got Manuela um, Marnie Ooh, at the controversy, end. Of, controversy, controversy. At the end. <laughs> which, you know, it's kind of interesting how, you know, she, in the video you watch it and she's made out to be like a stranger on the street, but, you know, she was pretty well connected at the time. Hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's a great track. Okay. Uh, did player go first? I think he did. Uh, come on. Come on. I'll just say, uh, come on. How can you not mention the Leno appearance? And oh, the, and, yeah. Uh. And, the, and the funky hair and the funky performance and all that kind of stuff. To me, it's just the riff. He's like, in that little riff, there's like four consecutive or five consecutive notes that are the same note, but they're just perfect. And then it falls on the lower. Beautiful, beautiful little riff. And um, yeah, the album kind of starts coming alive here. It, you almost think to yourself, well, I, you know, I was about to give it up. I was just going to keep listening to it on background in the living room. And then this comes on and you kind of you get down again. So uh, come on, it's a good track. It's got some interesting uh, lyrics, one of which play I open the show with. The butter for your muffin reference. Uh, I just need the keys to the room. And there's there's more of where that came from as well, so... It's a funky song. Quite good, uh, quite good arrangement on this. It sounds futuristic, doesn't it? I don't know if you guys hear yeah. that. It's kind of like he put it on in 2011, and it's like, wow, he was really, really kind of pioneering that futuristic funk sound. You know, 13 years ago. Anyway, solid track, and and I play this one. It's a it's a good jam, actually. Captain. This song has the classic line, <laughs> "I've got the butter for your muffin," which everybody's already said. Um, this song is it's got the groove and I like the groove and this song has got it Um, uh, I like the key change on the on that main synth line Uh, that's cool Uh, it just it sounds a bit wrong but it works perfectly Uh, there's a cool little guitar thing at 408 I like that but this uh, that's the one and then, and then you get like the second and the third one behind it. Ah, oh, it's good stuff. Yeah. But yeah, this this song, come on, and I'll say come on, the next come track. On. Now this song, come on, and I'll say the one as well. They're the two best songs on this album. Hmm. Amongst a, a fair bit of filler, these two songs stand out like way ahead of anything else on here for me. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Cool, cool, cool. And Toe Jam. I think this is clearly and. You know, when you look on Prince forums and things, this is clearly one of the, the, the most favoured songs of the 90s, I think. And it deserves to be so. Like, I'm sold in this song in the first 10 seconds. Once that groove starts, it's, you know, you yeah. really get the feeling like you're stuck in that groove. You're like on the, on the, the vinyl mm. itself and you're just stuck there and you can't get out, which is cool. 
got the Camille vocals, which are really creamy. And you've got Shaka Khan's vocals too, which just add more cream to it. And that slide guitar we're talking about, you know, it don't know how he does it. He adds this like almost country slide guitar into this hmm. like almost, you know, hip hop song. And it doesn't sound out of place. It sounds like it's supposed to be there. There's some cool lyrics. You know, when I ask you if you're hungry, you say you already ate. Getting some nasty stuff in there. I don't need to play the good licks if there ain't going to be no show. That's a great line. <laughs> and there's some really interesting background stuff, like little background oohs and ahs throughout it, and lots of harps and, and little string flourishes really add, just give it so much color and, and spice to the song. But yeah, I've got to talk about the lead line, because harmonically, it's, it's just really interesting. And I'll, this is going to be hard to explain. He could have just done this, and this would have been okay, but it would have been pretty standard. <laughs> Could have just done like a simple power chord thing like that, but he's he's just changed that that one, and it sounds really interesting. Just that kind of clashy sound just gives it another sound that you're not expecting. That kind of thing. Discordant. And yeah, discordant. That's the word. And even on the little hook line, uh, he goes from a, a major two. got that bit which is like a real classic jazzy two or nine sort of sound and then he changes it and, and it goes to the, yeah. the flat yeah the flat two something like that so just yeah. really interesting harmony in this like thick groove and it just goes between these two really close harmonies and just very interesting i'll leave it there i think yeah great song one of the best of the 90s wow Ooh. wow Big, big, big words there. Um, well, I'm not saying it is the best, but it's, yeah, it's up. No. Like, it's don't, up worry. There. don't worry. I can, I'm already opening up some of the hate mail coming in for you, Tojo. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you ask, like, I don't know. I've seen this a lot. Like People put their top 10 of the 90s, and this song is, is normally up there. So, hmm. would, so you'll be getting you the hate like mail. To, <laughs> is this a song you'd like to see back in the set list? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Like, and the live version's kicked. I love the live versions on, um, like, the Beautiful Strains VHS. That's, that's cool. How's the VHS, the you might want to explain that to some Not of our younger <laughs> listeners, Toe <Tochim. laughs> <laughs> I'll just get the bootleg DVD and be done with it. <laughs> the, the lyrics aren't too unacceptable for him to sing these days? No. Well, Possibly. Was, I don't think his beliefs have changed that much since 98, so I don't know. I think he'd be right with it. Oh, okay. He could just he could just change. I I got the butter for your muffin to. Oh, he he can still sing that. that that's I, it. That's I, good. I, I'd, yeah, I haven't got the butter. I was just bluffing. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! And to uh to go to the second last track now two the one two the one the one two. <laughs> track number nine is called the one. Track number nine, The One, and this song was released as a single, I believe, and had an Just a video. Just a video. Oh, just a video single. Not accompanied come by on. an actual single release. <laughs> come, come on, on was come a on. single, wasn't it? I yeah. think so, yeah. Release, yeah. And, uh, yeah, there was a maxi, maxi thing. That's right. And a song that has been performed at times, uh, especially on the... Um, 
2004 Musicology Tour as part of a little medley between The Question of You and uh, Alicia Keys Fallen. A song that gets a lot of praise by the Prince fan community. Will it get a lot of praise by the Peach and Black panel? Uh, Let's start with uh, Player and get his thoughts on the one. Well, at first, it was another song I initially slept on. I Hmm. used to skip through this, but this is seductive and hypnotic and a few things that tie it all together for me are the percussion that's used for the beat, the orchestra, and how the arrangement is tailored to the song and not vaulted samples again pieced together and inserted into the track. And the fretless bass by Rhonda Smith and the string pulls for the accents that's used through it. And even the harp playing towards the end of the song is is great use of instrumentation. And last but not least, the vocal delivery. I mean, wow, the highlight would be how he drives it home from the four-minute mark onwards. I think this is a great song in his catalogue. Okay, Toje? Yeah, I have to agree. It's sort of become a live staple in terms of the big shows, I guess, and I think rightfully so. To me, it's always, it's a 4-4 version of um, It's a Man's World. You know, the, the James Brown track. Mm. I like, never saw um, that before until you mentioned it. And yeah, I can yeah, definitely it's see that. Yeah. Like, it's just two chords, one minor, five minor, just sort of rotating between the two. And similar kind of thing where it you know, features like sensitivity vocals and then big screams and you know, big dynamic contrasts kind of thing. And he belts it out. Prince belts it out when he does it live. And yeah, I like the way when he gets to the chorus, it's like these really delicate and slippery vocals. And then when he gets to the, the main bit where he says, I am the one. You know, he just does it a little bit behind the beat, you know, just enough to turn you on kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> I like the yeah. double entendre. Right? And there's some, you know, I like the little Prince humor moments throughout it, even though they're very, very minuscule, like where he says uh, something about sharing his De Niro. And then in the background, it's like his money, just reminding you that's what it means kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of humorous, like just, just for the people who don't know what I'm talking about. And yeah, I've got also here, like Player said, four minutes where it breaks down and those big vocals come in. And, and uh, yeah, it's a really stellar track. And, and the long length doesn't bother me at all. I, I never feel I have to Ooh. skip through it. It's kind of, I like all that instrumentation at the end too. It kind of really fills it out and gives it a bigger life uh, to the song. So, yeah, I really like it too. Um, maybe the studio version doesn't uh, live up to some of the live versions he's done recently in the last sort of 10 years, I guess. Yeah, it's still an amazing song. So I'll leave it there. Okay, okay. Uh, Captain. Okay, first off, you've got Rhonda. Rhonda yeah. Smith on the fretless bass. It, I don't know what this song would be if that wasn't there. It'd be a song without bass. <laughs> <laughs> He's never done that before. Exactly, but oh, the bass it, that makes this song. The big strings, they don't do anything. They're just horrible. Oh, um, oh. You're kidding, they're sublime. Before I found out it was Claire Fisher, I'm like, oh, you got the synth out and done the big fake strings. But, oh, no, it doesn't sound good at all. I agree with you on the the fake sound, but the arrangement, not the arrangement, the, um, well, yeah, I mean, I guess the arrangement, but more so the um, the composition of, of, and and the the feel of the the thing is is pretty hypnotic. It might just be that this whole album suffers from that, plasticky sounding sound mm. well I think the only I thing mean, that sounds a bit plasticky in this is the keyboard harp it does that kind of sounds a bit plasticky it would have been better to have a real harp do that like just the little tinkling bits yeah. that he does throughout it but the rest of it sounds but, pretty real to me but yeah apart, apart from the strings which uh, I think sound fake plastic this song manages to 
get a really good atmosphere sound where, you know, Until You're In My Arms Again totally fails. But this song does it a lot better. You got the bass, you got the percussion, you got just enough echo on the vocals. Flute solo, is that fake too? Yeah, I think so. Is that a fake, another fake keyboard horrible thing? Oh, uh, and this song just drags on and on. <laughs> It's like, you know, almost seven minutes. It could have been three and a half, like any other normal song. I would have been happy with that. It is one of the best songs on the album, but it's still got its flaws for me, as opposed to some of the other tracks, which have uh, even more flaws and are even worse than this. Okay. Where does the love stop? I guess it gets to me. The one has to be probably the second best track on this album, I think, for me. Um, Yeah. I think it's just brilliant. It's a brilliant piece of uh, songwriting without coming across as being too cliche. And you know what? This song could be, I mean, in, in someone else's hands, and I was actually surprised in, 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 a, in a way that Prince hasn't made this sound really cliche, the lyrics, you know, if you're looking for a man and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of, it feels like it's been done before, but, you know, Tojay mentioned it's a man's world before and the huge number of songs that have ripped that particular sound off since uh, I'm not yeah I'm not suggesting this is a rip off it's more like that was the inspiration for it I think yeah yeah but I guess so many songs have been have used that as a template I think or as a blueprint have have used the James Brown I don't know that you call it a ballad but that type of the style of music and and uh, and Prince does that, but he he incorporates a lot of you know the the fretless bass, the even though they're synth for synth strings, and this kind of really uh, smooth vocal delivery, really nice echo and and, and kind of an acoustic ambience. It sounds like he's he's singing it in a um in some sort of hall. The video also plays its part. I think it's kind of sensual but you know kind of like a you got the dancers there so there's, there's an element of ballet in in there and, and i don't know there's just it's got a certain movement a kind of moderate momentum this track a really nice pace and and live it just goes off i mean when, when he hits those notes when he goes into those screams and when he really opens the song up in a live setting it, it's even better but it's just a pleasure to, to listen to and a really nice sentiment and uh, it's such a universal track and this is the thing that I that I love about Prince music the most is when he's when he portrays a universal emotion and a feeling and, and the one does this absolutely perfectly anyone can listen to this song and as long as they sense that sort of feeling or emotion they can connect with it so it's a brilliant track very underrated although it did score highly in our poll didn't it? I think it also has a very, very slight, just ever so slight Arabic feel too, with the, mm. some of the percussion and some of the flute solo stuff. Like, and it just adds that little bit of spice to it as well. I think. Yeah. Uh, what are we up to? Track ten. Yes. I like funky music. <laughs> there you go. And just about to close out the album, the official track list, track number ten, officially the last song. I like funky music. I like funky music, but this song ain't funky. Wow. That's what? a big call. <laughs> I, don't, it's, I don't know. This just comes across like a real throwaway to me. Oh, what? More filler? <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> this is possible. probably, to me, this is probably the most filler track on the album. It hmm. just sounds like it's really quickly done, chucked on there. The only things I like about it 
uh, some of the horn lines, but even them, they're not like super amazing. I like the sped up guitar. It's kind of reminiscent of like uh, a Love Bazaar and Kiss 12 Inch where he did that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and I like the humor where he's doing his little beatbox and then he starts coughing. Yeah. yeah. Like that bit. That's cool. 141. And it's got that same sort of scary, weird, synthy key sound from Push It Up and Freaks on this side. So it makes a return, which is kind of a theme throughout the album again. But I don't know. It's just the Dougie E. Fresh rap just doesn't work. It's just, I can't even remember what he's talking about. Something about spoons or something. and <laughs> <laughs> Spoons and balls. <laughs> I think with a title like I Like Funky Music, this is a really disappointing track, I think. And yeah, this is most skip. And I'll leave it there. Interesting. Most skippable, I think you said. Yep. I don't know about most skippable. Actually, no. Looking at the song titles, yeah, you might be right about most skippable, but I don't think that it needs to be skipped. It's a kind of up-tempo, high-energy, again, chant-infused album closer. Um, but really, as far as album closers go, it's one of the minor entries in his canon. But it just sounds like it was an afterthought almost. Like, the programming is so plastic so generic it just doesn't feel you know we we talk about we often have talked about on this show about how prince's lin drum programming and synth pad all that kind of stuff all of his programming skills are, are really top notch and in this song it sounds like he just phoned it in yeah. and i think it takes away from the funk this was just a preset he didn't even do anything <laughs> he just he just he just pushed start <laughs> and uh yeah that's a good way to describe it actually yeah it does sound like a funk preset like mm. on a keyboard you press start and this is the kind of thing you do yeah so yeah, it's pretty lightweight, almost throwaway, I guess. But then again, when I hear it on headphones, there's just that constant element, and maybe it's just the syncopation and the groove, and it swallows, brings you into this kind of false sense of groove, <laughs> false sense of funk, and then you realize by, <laughs> near, by the end of the song that it's really nothing special. But you know, as with a few other songs on this album, it, I think he's kind of phoning it in there, and the MPG don't do too much to um to make it any better. Does Dougie Fresh make an appearance? Anyone know? Yeah. Yeah. I think he does, and that can only be a bad thing. Detriment to the songs. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll let Captain close this song out, so let's quickly go to Player and see what his thoughts are. It's a nice closer. It's just a fun animated party track. It reminds me a bit of the B side, Love or Money, in the sped up voice and the guitar. Uh, um, yeah. The horns deliver some great arrangements as always. Dougie Fresh is cool, nothing special. But again, this is a design for the live setting track that doesn't really work on a, an album. But overall, it's nice. That's it. Okay. And Captain, close this one out. Do you like funky music? Do you like this track? Those are two very different questions. <laughs> Do I like funky music? I Do like I like that. this track? Hmm. What can I say? It's another chant-based track. This month, he recorded this album. He really must have been struggling for ideas for songs. But it's fake funky. It's funky when you're listening to it, but then when it's over, you're like, uh, what was that? Hmm. It tricks you. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky song. But um, the guitar is really funky, but it's sort of, you can hear it, but it's sort of buried as well. I mean, if that was right up the front, it'd be a more funky song, I think. I really like the vocals on the verses in this track. And Toe Jam already beat me and said Prince does his, his beatbox attempt and then starts coughing. That's just hilarious. Um, and then here comes the rapper to ruin things again. But this, yeah, for a song that's called I Like Funky Music, you just expect 
you know, it's going to be at You're least... You're expecting DMSR and you get this You're with expecting that title. something more than it is, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, this this whole album just... There's songs like this. you got I Like Funky Music, Freaks on This Side, Push It Up, Mad Sex, New Power Soul. They're just sort of nothing tracks to me. <laughs> I mean, there's bits that, that like stick in my brain, like memorable lines and stuff, but for most of it, uh, there's just not a lot there. It's it's musically challenged. I'm sticking with that phrase now. <laughs> I like that. I think um this song player nailed nailed it on the head when he said love or money. I'd never made that connection. The moment he said it, I'm like oh of course it's it's really similar actually when you think about it. Really? Yeah. Well, you, yeah. It's so. like kind of sparse arrangement and it's kind of yeah. slightly throwaway and it's got the sped up guitar and yeah I can love or money throwaway. I don't know. I think I think love or money is a bit overrated to be honest. I remember when I listened to this song because, you know, by this period he was the symbol and it was yeah. pretty far removed from, like the work he was doing was pretty far removed from his classic Prince. And then when I heard this song, I thought, oh, there's the elements there, the Prince, like it's, he's sort of bringing that sound back, you know. Yeah, he's got the that's, Camille vocal. and The Camille yeah. vocal and, this, and the sped up guitar and, and all that. So that's what it, it reminded me of. Maybe he's saying, you know, I like funky music. He's saying... I like the funky music that I used to make, you know, 15 years ago. Here's a bit of rehash to keep you going for the, till the next album comes along. To rave. <laughs> but, yeah, for a song called I Like Funky Music, you just expect more. Funk. All right, well, officially Lectolas is out the album. Thank you, good night, and I mean with, with all due respect. Take the funk with you. Okay, overall thoughts. Of the album. Three letters, M-E-H. <laughs> That's a, yeah. a good review. It's a good review. The album came out. I listened to it loads, like like any Prince album that comes out. You listen to it for, you know, every day or whatever you do. But unlike, you know, I, I probably listened to it, you know, for a, a few weeks, a couple of months or whatever, and then it went on the shelf. And unlike, you know, other albums which you go back and listen to, I mean, how many times do you go back and listen to Sign of the Times or Purple Rain or Love Sexy, anything? How many times have you gone back to New Power Soul and like, oh, I can't wait to go and listen to this one again? If we, were, if we weren't going to be doing this review. Exactly. That's what I was, was going to say. If after listening to it a whole bunch the last few days, it's not as bad as I remember. But that's one thing I like about doing these reviews is it makes me go back and listen to stuff I probably wouldn't ever listen to again, mm. which is good. And it's. It's not as bad as I when I first when it first came out. I thought it was good at the time when it came out. I like funky music was my favorite track on the album. I remember that. I always used to go straight to track ten, and then I'd what? go through. Then I'd like go it. through the others, and now I'm like, yeah. See, I got tricked. I got it's a tricky song. I got tricked by the funk, <laughs> and, but now I can see right through it, and it doesn't fool me anymore. So there you go, Captain. You got funked. I did. <laughs> But I mean, it's a decent length album. It's just it's just under an hour. It's fifty six minutes, I think. A lot shorter than Rave, which was a very long album. The one after this, hmm. but but then before this, you got Emancipation, which was three hours long. So compared to that, it's a pretty short album. Yeah. Well, if we're doing scores of uh, let's see, ten tracks. I'm gonna no. Just... I'm not doing your freaking ten track, and I don't like four of them, so it's only a six. I'm not doing that crap. A, captain, a, a, a guaranteed way of getting hate mail is comparing this as being up there with Sign of the Times. Then you'll get the hate mail rolling in. <laughs> well, I don't no, think say I'm it's better than Sign of the Times. Say that. The best album since The Truth. <laughs> <laughs>
This was the best album released by Prince in this particular month of release. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna. I think the lowest score I've ever given was a six or a six and a half. And for me, this is this is way down there. So I'm gonna give it a five and a half, which I think is the lowest score. It's the lowest score I've ever given. Hmm. So the five and a half out of ten. Wow. For a power soul. Wow. You can send your letters to (laughs) thirty-three. Okay, okay, so that's that's a great review score. Player. I wouldn't say this is a bad album, but the word I would use would be unfocused. I think this is a period of Prince's career where he's finding his footing with a lot of things that was going on in his life, and the music wasn't up to the level of his contemporaries. I mean, if you look at the musical landscape of um, the same year, you had Madonna release Ray of Light, which was taking her on a new creative direction. You had Santana with oh. Supernatural phenomenon which rubbed just before then yeah yeah which rubbed off on Prince somewhat for the release after this one and you had the Miseducation of Lauren Hill that came out in the same year which that was huge yeah Equemini Outcast yeah so when you look when you go through this album it's not a very challenging listen as a whole and again I think Hmm. Prince was trying to figure out where he stands musically we touched on this one thing you just said yeah sorry just one thing you just said is two actually two things you said unfocused i would say uninspired well would be a lot my of the, best word to describe this album a lot of the reviewers for this album such as rolling stone and all the others that's pretty much how they reviewed it they said it was an uninspired album and the other thing i just thought of it why this album is a bit musically challenged he just released emancipation he chucked everything on Emancipation, and this is the leftovers, man. Yeah, this is what's left. The album he was born to make. <laughs> and then, then you got this, which comes after that. And, you know, it's just, he's, he's all out of ideas by that. He killed well, it with Emancipation. There's certainly nothing new on here. That leads me into why this is always slotted into Prince's disog- discography as a Prince release and not an MPG release, the way the other two cities are. Mm. Probably because his face adorns the cover, but then you've got a question as to why it was released under the MPG banner and not as a simple album. I mean, does he think himself the material wasn't strong enough himself? Hmm. And he didn't uh, want it under his name. That's, yeah. that's what you've got a question. I mean, like... You know, maybe if they got maybe Rhonda or someone doing the vocals and, and say, Marva King and I don't know. where Rhonda where singing is, my balls around, that could be a bit interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, just Prince taking a, a bit of a backseat <laughs> so that it is more like an MPG release. I don't know. Like, this is, this is why I don't understand why it was released as an MPG album. And that's the only conclusion I can come to, that he didn't think the material was strong enough. I don't know. I think it's nice to have from a collector's standpoint, but... Songs like Push It Up, Freaks on This Side, I Like Fucking Music, Should Have Been Saved for the Live Setting, and the three strongest cuts being Come On, The One, and Wasted Kisses, Should Have Been Held Over and Substituted with some of the tracks on Rave to make that a bit more of a stronger release and just not release this CD at all. And one more thing is, you know, this is really the last MPG album. And I've got to say, with his current band, where he's got Shelby J, Elisa Fiorello... Live, live. I reckon those girls should do some vocals, and you got the thing, John Blackwell, Renato. I reckon they, those guys could go in the studio and do a new MPG album with because there was um, Prince behind the boards and behind the balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know God. what I mean? Like those guys make their own album and bring it out. 
just while Prince is not releasing anything, just to yeah, the fans but, but player, <laughs> the thing you're missing here is the 93 and 95 MPG albums that we know and love. Mm. You know that we know those guys and their personalities, and as I've said before, this new band has no personality. I think it would just fail hugely. Do you mean the current 2011 band? Yeah. Or are you talking the ni- 1998 MPG? Uh, either, either. 97, 98 bands were awful. I thought. I re- I agree with that. Yeah, I wouldn't say awful, but I would say not. You know, no, probably not. Um, not not the, as the, the least the least good. Well, not not as complete as, and as virtuosic. Is that a word? Um, <laughs> as as the uh, yeah ninety three ninety five MPG or even the um you know the the uh, two thousand and four band, but I don't know. I think it's more that you know the ninety three ninety five band felt more like a, a band where everyone was kind band, of contributing. Exactly. Contributing. Think, now, yeah, everything since the split up of that band, it's like there now, is a now bit it's of just a, it's a covers band now. Yeah, one, one, one night alone was pretty cool though. Yeah, I yeah. Thought. There's been exceptions. Mm, yeah. Now it's just Prince and and the covers band karaoke. Get the sampler set. What, what I'm getting at, really? <laughs> oh man, is... if there's a sampler set at the North Sea Jazz Festival, <laughs> I'm walking out. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> Look, what I'm getting at is okay. I'm gonna use something. I'm gonna say something a bit controversial here. The use of Shelby J taking over in the concert setting, in the live setting, where I think Prince should like pull her in a bit, like pull the reins in a bit with her. He, if, he, I think he's, if, I think he's scared of her. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think I she's am. a great. I think she's a great vocalist, and she does add to the MPG, but. Yeah, she takes she over the much. show sometimes. So, like having a say, let's say a 2011 MPG album where it's her own platform to do the things, so that you know, in the live setting, she just pulls it back a bit. Yeah, but and can you imagine if they released that album in 2011 and then they toured with it? Like she'd no, be all not, over it. No, 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 not tour with it, but maybe just like an internet release. Like they just hmm. throw it out there. Well, they know, throw it out a, there, all right? As a, like a 10 track download of something. Not tour with it. But, no, hell no. Because there was a there was a third MPG album, wasn't there? Was it fourth. called Peace or something? Uh, there was, oh, fourth, yeah. fourth, yeah. yeah. It was like 2000 or something. Mm. And it had Peace, 2045, Radical Man, and a couple other songs. Northside, I don't know. Which sounds but, to me yeah, like that, it was that, carrying that happened. on. Yeah, and that was obviously carrying along with this concept of the new power, new power generation, where it was mm. basically print songs. Yeah. Just quickly on the background vocalist. I mean, background vocalists, by the very definition, should be in the, in background, the background singing yeah. vocals. Mm. You know, like, yeah. that's what you've got the twins for, or potentially, you know, another dance, uh, uh, other dancers to fill that space, if, if you feel that's necessary. But, I mean, just having them run around the stage, and it's just, I don't know, it detracts. I know we've mentioned this before on a prior podcast, or maybe one that we haven't released yet, but <laughs> we... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah, it's, it's just a bit icky. So it's, that's it's my very, it's a, hey, you're not getting away that easy, player. What? Give me a score out of ten. <laughs> uh, I don't, Get down on the floor and give me a score out of ten. No. <laughs> Let's see. I didn't oh, get good point. with a score. <sighs> Do I have to give a score? Just, uh, just right, say. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go a halfway bet. I'm saying five. So it's not good or bad. There you go. Okay. Straight down the middle. Five out of ten. Sitting on the fence. I'm yep. loving it. I'm a fence sitter. 
Okay, Toe Jam. Uh, I actually don't mind this album. I think it, it's it's a party album. That was its intention. And I think generally it, that, that works. Like even tracks like Funky Music, I might not particularly like them, but I think it, like I think MC said, it's it's a party track. It, it sort of suits the album. Wasn't this your to first me, album or was that Rave? No, I think, no, maybe it was. I can't remember. But Rave was the first new album. Like I bought it uh. waiting for it. So yeah, maybe I had New Power Soul before. I can't remember. But yeah, I, I do remember listening to it and it was still relatively new. And to me, it sounded really fresh at the time. So I have good memories of it, I suppose. Dougie um, fresh. <laughs> but having having heard the album in the middle of the complete discography, to me, it sounds like it's kind of the dark side leftovers of, of Emancipation. And in some ways, yeah. that's good. In some ways, that's good because there are some dark moments, particularly the lyrics throughout. And generally, it's got it's kind of a, taking the, the sound of like joint to joint, those kind of tracks, and trying to make an album of that kind of slightly dark party material. So I don't know. I find it very listenable. Even the tracks that I particularly like, I'll still listen to. And there's three stellar songs. I think, um, come on, the one Shubidoo. But, yeah, I'm kind of tossing and turning here because there are some stinkers, I guess. Um, funky music is a bit of a stinker. Freaks on this side, lyrically, is a stinker to me, not the music. Until You're In My Arms Again doesn't really work on the album. And we should know. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go... Um, it's a tough one to score, actually. Seven sounds too high, six oh. sounds too low. So I'm going to go six and a half, I six? think. Wow. It's very solid, Toe Jam. Well, like I, th- I think it's definitely underrated. I think a lot of people bag it just because of the era it came from. Like I think if this exact same album, you know, came out in like if this was the Black album that came out in 1988, like people would be raving about this album. Or if it came out like maybe a couple of years later, once Prince had sort of you know established himself again, like people would be raving about. You it. You really think so? They'd be raving about this release. Well, not not raving about it, but I don't think people would pan it as much as they do. I think. <laughs> I think um, the fact that it's sort of come in this late 90s period where he was probably at the lowest point of his career commercially, I think people listen to it in that context. Uh, whereas if you try and separate it, it's not as bad as a lot of people say. So, yeah, I think six and a half is a reasonable score. Also, you know, he was trying different distribution methods with the internet. And mm-hmm. I think this album was, you know, possibly put out for that reason as well to try and see what he could do with the internet so yeah i don't know i like it but uh, it's by no means anywhere near my favorite albums so yeah i think six and a half is all right what do you say about the black album is interesting though because the black album is described as a dark party album and so is this album well that's i think there is like a between the two of them that like to me i I do see this as the black album of the 90s not that it's as good but it's the same kind of attempt at what he's trying to do (laughs) it is all it's got a black cover. <laughs> wow. But see, he didn't release a black album because he thought it was, you know, too evil or whatever the reason was. Maybe that's why I didn't maybe that's why he didn't put his name on this one. Maybe. Okay, we've come full circle. I have to say I disagree with a lot of the comments that you guys have been making recently, actually with everyone. <laughs> Especially about how dark this album is. I don't know what you guys are talking about or what you're listening to. Aside from probably Shuby Doo with some dark overtones, that's really about it, I guess. This is a light album. It's a party album, it's a funky album, it's a fun album. 
it's a pretty average album actually, but <laughs> but it's got a black cover that makes me think it's dark. Yeah, well, uh, I don't no, know. I can't got, help you. I can't has, help you there. I, I don't see that at all. It's, I think it has is, it has got a dark edge. Like mm. tracks like push it up, like that that synth line. Like that's not uh, like a, a typical <laughs> happy bit evil. And the freaks on yeah, this side as well. Uh, freaks on this side. Uh, lyrics throughout. It has got a dark edge. Not. I, I think you guys are reaching for something here. I it's, don't know. It's it's dark edge for Prince, not for like anyone else. But, no. Yeah, there's a lot of minor. It's the tone weird of it. It's the tone. There. Yeah, it's the I just tone. don't see it. I just don't see it. This is like from from New Power Soul to Mad Sex to Until You're in My Arms Again, which is a slightly melancholic ballad, to When You Love Somebody, Shooby Do Again, slightly melancholic. Push it up, freaks on this side. I like funky music. Come on. I mean, that's just party jam, anthem type, anthem type um, music to me. And uh, yeah, no, I don't see it. I just don't see it, and it's no. one of the more um, obscure releases in his career, I guess, commercially, and, and even from a fan point of view, obscure in the sense that it's not spoken about very often, and when it is, it doesn't get a whole lot of props. I think Prince is, like I said earlier in the show, he set himself such a high benchmark, and it's like being typecast into something, you know, that the minute he releases an album with 10 tracks, seven or eight of which are, are pretty much like just jams or, or party type tracks he's blasted for it you know cut the guy some slack he's he should be especially at that um stage in the game you know post emancipation post crystal ball getting together with shaka and larry g and you know just releasing some kind of feel-good party tunes that's the way i hear them anyway for, mo- for the most part um the more i think about it i keep I agree with Toe Jam. It's the Black Album of the 90s. Yeah, I just can't see it. The more you guys say that, the more I disagree with you. It's like, how does this album compare to the Black Album at all? The Black Album came up. The Black Album album is Prince trying to, you know, reclaim his funk roots. And in some ways, I think this is. Because after, like, um, Emancipation and and Chaos and Disorder, The Gold Experience, you know, they're all kind of more... uh, They're not traditional funk albums and I think this is what the Black Album was trying to do back then too is he's trying to bring this look I can do this nasty funk stuff too and and Black Album came after Sign of the Times huge double album originally was a triple album New Power Soul comes after Emancipation triple album Arrigo. yeah <laughs> now we're talking there you go conspiracy yeah. theories again Arrigo, you're take probably that, reaching for that. the stars there <laughs> I reckon that's more of a coincidence than anything else but um, and the fun- all, all the funky horn lines, yeah. very yeah. similar to the funky B-bop horn lines, lines all over the yeah. Black Album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go, nah, Toe Jam. I don't see it. <laughs> I just don't see it. Anyway. The more I think about it, the more I can see it. I have to say that... Keep that, thinking, Captain. Keep thinking. I have to, <laughs> I have to say that this is a, an intriguing release in his discography from the point of view of... I guess for the reasons that everyone's already mentioned. I don't want to blab on too much about this, but... Getting down to my final thoughts on the album and a score, I would say this is undoubtedly one of my least played albums and probably one of the most least played albums by fans, I would guess. I'll go with the general kind of flash-in-the-pan random score. Well, score just remember, you gave a four to Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I remember, I remember. So Thanks I for reminding me, got- Captain. I know I can always I re- count on you. I reckon this has got to be a one in your book. <laughs> Don't spoil the show, for God's sake. 
Uh, okay, so I reckon I take one, two, three, four, five points off automatically, just because I reckon, just because I reckon five of at least five of the songs on here are are nothing more than lukewarm. Um, like like Wendy says, you know, Lisa is the water warm enough. It's lukewarm on this album, so that's already a five. I've got to take it down to a five. And just my overall thoughts are that it's just not. It's very lukewarm and lightweight and and just cookie cutter for Prince. You know, he just... That's the problem when you create such a hugely influential, diverse body of work that is so incredible uh, for so many reasons that we've talked about over the course of this podcast. So I'd have to take away another point because it's not cohesive, like Player said. It's not... So it goes down to a four... And I couldn't possibly score this the same score as Batman because I've been listening to that album recently and I reckon it's way more funky than most of the stuff on here. Mm. Three and a half. Bang. There it is. Bang. Every time you say bang, you remind me of that guy in the Graffiti Bridge movie and I just start laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Every time you say it. So, whoop, there it is. Peach and Black just reviewed New Power Soul. It was a long time coming and um, I'd be happy if we never do this again. See you at the North Sea Jazz Fest. Yeah, exactly. You have been listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Further your Peach and Black experience on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as the Peach and Black forums. Hold on, wait a second. There's a hidden track on this album. Hang on, you forgot the Um, silence as well. Yeah. Isn't there like 39 other tracks? Are there? Yeah, the central silence of track 24 is nice, and the silence of track 44 is straight up funky. It's got a nice ambience. No, 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 player, you you missed track, I think it's 30... 33 or 34. Oh, I love that. The silence, the silence sort of goes left to right to left to right. You can't even, you can't <laughs> even keep track of it. It's just crazy. It's ama- who does that? Who <laughs> it's just does amazing. That? <laughs> <laughs> I hear there's an extended version in the mix. It's going to come out on the 2012 NPS. So, you know, we talk about great uses of silence, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Prince knows when to let things breathe. <laughs> you got to let it breathe. Okay, so hidden track. Wow, what track forty nine? Track forty nine. It's called squared. Hmm? The number seven squared. Of hmm. course. Of Controversy. Course. Conspiracy. The track is called <laughs> Wasted Kisses. Just over three minutes long. And it starts and ends with this same little funny sound. Which is? Doesn't it? Should I go first? Why not? Okay, do it. Okay, this is the hidden track. Acclaimed by Summer's best track on the album, Not By Me. Wow. Starts off with this, it's such a like generic R&B beat. Straight away, I'm just like, eh, bland. 
I don't really get the appeal of this track. Maybe I've never been, you know, sufficiently screwed in a relationship that I'm able to relate to it that much. But I don't know. Musically, there doesn't seem to be much there. It's just these two chords most of the way through the whole track. It's just sort of meh. Yeah, yeah, I see. It's because you don't listen to the lyrics. That's what it is. I think that's what it yeah. might be. Yeah. I, I'll just say I prefer track 33 to 49. <laughs> Because 33, you got that panning left and right. It's just cool. Yeah, if, if only because it's an instrumental track. Yeah. Now, now <laughs> let's let's keep things down because we don't want to up, wake up Kirky J in his remix prowess. But player, what do you think about this uh, <laughs> this track? Well, uh, here is another hidden wow moment of a Prince CD. This is an interesting track because for the most part, the rest of the CD is a party funk offering. And then you got this tucked away at the end. And when you listen to the lyrics and the overall tone and how dark and twisted it is, it does make for a compelling listen. I, I like how the song can be read in so many different ways and different messages. And I think the title of the track was directed at a certain person and it was put at the end of the CD. So it sets up the tone for the next CD being rave. But then you listen to the lyrics and you got the lines about, you know, being tied up with the burgundy stock and that that's followed by the police sirens and the screams and the life support machine flatlining and <laughs> then you think to yourself this yeah, is heavy what stuff is all that? Well, yeah it's a heavy track I was, I think. yeah it's heavy. i was listening to that i'm like what the hell is going on here yeah it's it's dark and twisted song so because the the, the whole uh, the rest of the album's a bit bland and like a party album but like really plasticky you got this and it's it's really cool to listen to the music's simple but effective. The effects are hypnotic. And it adds to the tone of the song. This is another Prince gem. Mm. I have to say that this song is... Um, let me just preface by saying this. Uh, often Prince is known as the the, the funk man, the, the party jam singer-songwriter, the uh, you know funk rock mix that he's so famous for, the Minneapolis sound, the live performance... All that kind of stuff. They, you know, the guitar hero, multi-instrumentalist. And a song like this really is uh, way outside all of that territory. And there's there's some material... There's, I think Emancipation and, and The Truth and Rave and, and to some degree even The Rainbow Children, you know, in, in that five-year period, certainly some material he was putting out that sounded to me a lot more mature lyrically and thematically, um, very different from a lot of the material that he put out in the 80s, I think. And this is one of those songs that I agree with Player. It really it kind of gets under your skin. It's dark yeah. and it's potentially melancholic, you know, depending on how you look at it. But... You know, I've listened to this song occasionally and even found some relevance in the lyrics with regards to my own experience. And I'm sure some people might have had the same sort of same sort of feeling. It's it's very atypical Prince, I think. Like the the sound is typical. The the lyricism, the the vocal delivery is kind of I don't know, it's I think it's a very um a very serious song. And and just the line as simple as why did I waste my, you know, wasted kisses, why did I waste my kisses on you? And the way that he finishes that line very often, especially at the end of the track, it's hypnotic and it's dark and moody and kind of depressing actually. But I think one of the more um, mature, serious pieces of songwriting in his career, I would say. So yeah, big thumbs up for this. And uh, along with the one and probably come on, uh, definitely the trifecta of best three songs in this album. Yeah. Toe jam. Yeah, I have to agree. It's um, brilliant, brilliantly haunting. 
just two chords pretty much throughout the whole song, A minor 9 and, and G major 6. And he, he's letting that the B and E string on the guitar just ring out for both chords, and it really kind of keeps the two chords together. Uh, and I like the way it comes straight in with the chorus, just straight to the point. You know, there's no uh-huh and stuff before that or you know, lyrics and stuff. It's just straight to the, the chorus. Why did I waste my kisses? Uh, and it reminds me in a way of If I Was Your Girlfriend um, in that it seems to me to be a very personal song. And I think there's a lot more going on that any of us will ever really understand how this song came to be. Um, I think it's just, obviously there's a lot of things happening in his life at that time uh, for the better and for the worse. Uh, and this is just one of those songs that just came out and it's just, you know, I don't think it's any about anything specific, and I think he's kind of tried to turn it into a story. But I think we'll never really know the true genesis of the song, and I think that kind of adds to the mystery of it. But it is interesting because the song starts, "Why did I waste my kisses?" and you think, "Oh, it's about a breakup." But then, as the song goes on, you know, obviously someone's getting murdered or dying, and you think it's not a breakup; it's that the, this person's died. And I think that's kind of powerful the way that. He starts off one way and finishes in a completely different way that you're not expecting. Hmm. Um, and I love the way from two, basically from two minutes onwards, it just repeats. The groove just repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats. The chorus just repeats, and it, but it builds and there's like slow layering and it's just, what is going on here? It's just amazing um, music. Hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It's maybe a little bit too short to say it's the best song on the album. I don't know if it quite tops Come On in the One. But it's it's um, certainly a very unique and interesting track on this album and in Prince's discography. So that's another song that I don't really like and everyone else thinks is great. Added to the list of all the others. But I think, like you were saying, with the um, it's you know has like this hip hop beat to it. But I, I think that's what kind of what makes the song work is that it's it's got so many generic things. It's got a generic beat. It's got a generic chord. But the emotion still comes through. Like it doesn't sound cliche at all to me. Hmm. Not to me. As soon as it starts, I hear blandness. I uh, I don't really hear anything else because I, I suppose I'm not expecting it, so I just don't listen. It's it almost like that. It fades the, off in the background. It's almost like those, you know, the simple chords and the beat is almost like a kind of a mask that he's wearing to hide the, the actual emotion of the actual song. So, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, getting deep now, boys. No. <laughs> <laughs>